Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in this third step prayer. We're going to slow it down a little bit, keep the attention on the breath going in and out of the body. We're going to do it one line at a time, and then we're going to take a few breaths in between each line to think about what it is asking me to do or not to do in that line. So for me, the first line of the prayer is the word God. So I breathe in the word God. And I take a few breaths and I call out to God, which I think is what the prayer is asking me to do, is to make a connection, to connect with that thing called God. So I take a few breaths and I call out to God like I would call out to a friend. For me, I call out to this thing I call God. I call it something, I call it higher power. But it's inside of me. It's not an outside thing that I'm calling out to. It's an inside thing. And then I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths and I look at my commitment to what I just prayed. Do I really offer myself to my higher power? How committed am I to that offering today, right now? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. To build with me and to do with me as thou will. And I take a few breaths and I see if there's anything that's coming to me right now as to what God might want to do with me or build with me right now in this moment. Breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths. And I try to experience the quiet of being relieved of the bondage of self. The quiet of no story, no old ideas, no opinion. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That I may better do thy will. And I take a few breaths. And I imagine how much better I could do God's will in this moment 
if I didn't have all the noise associated with the bondage of self. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few more breaths. And I just look back over my day today so far. And I try to see what were my difficulties. Where did I fall short? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths. And I think about the people I am going to or may come in contact with the rest of today. And I think about how I might affect them and the people they might run into if I truly was an example of God's will and God's love and God's way of life. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will Always. <laughs> and I smile. And I imagine myself doing God's will always, right now, for right now, for the rest of today, right now. ready, can gently open your eyes, allow yourself to experience the seeing that happens when you open your eyes, keeping the breath, keeping the awareness on the breath going in and out of my body. I'm experiencing seeing right now. I'm seeing. It's amazing. It's kind of remarkable. I just open my eyes and I start seeing. The problem that I have is the moment I open my eyes and I start seeing is my, my self-talking mind wants to talk to me about what I'm seeing and sucks me right out of prayer and meditation right back into self. And so I like to take a few breaths with my eyes open and just acknowledge that there is something that is seeing through me, that seeing is happening. Not what I'm seeing, no story. No opinions, just seeing. Oh, I'm seeing a thermos. I'm seeing a light switch. I'm seeing a painting. I'm seeing a bunch of friends. 
on a computer screen. I hope you're there. I hope this isn't a figment of my imagination because it's wonderful to be here with all of you. And it was wonderful to meditate with all of you. And I'm Randy and I am alcoholic. What that means for me today, right now, I'm acknowledging one more time that my body, I am allergic to alcohol. I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again, ever. That's it. If I drink alcohol, I'm gonna have an allergic reaction. And that reaction for me looks like blackouts, crash cars, killed relationships, loss of jobs, crazed egomaniacal, tyrantical behavior, and pushing everyone and everything out of my life. <clears throat> so I can't drink alcohol anymore. And that's a shame because alcohol was the best, easiest to get over the treatment cat, uh, cure or, or over the treatment, over the counter treatment for my ailment, which is alcoholism, evidently. I have a disease that centers in my mind that talks to me in my own voice. If it talked to me in your voice, I'd be much better at ignoring it but it talks to me in my voice. And so I believe what it's saying and I believe that it's me and that it's true. And it manifests as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. And I say that every time I share because that's who I am. And if I don't know that, it doesn't matter what else I talk about. It's all just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. So, there's something wrong with me, and that's why I'm here today. I'm not here because I'm a good boy. I'm not here because I'm Mr. Spiritual. I'm not here because I like reading books or talking at meetings. I'm here because I have a disease that needs to be treated, and it needs to be treated right now. And I don't, and Annie, do you remember when we started this part, like when we started going through the literature? Do you remember what, when that was? I think it was a good three months ago. About three months September? ago. September. September, was it? Yeah. September 1st. Okay, so we read How It Works. We read 60 to 63. We read a pamphlet on surrender versus compliance. And we've read a pamphlet on the ego factors in surrender. All of that was to identify this disease to become aware of the disease that I have so that I know why I'm here and what I'm trying to treat. Now we're gonna start in the 12 and 12. Uh, we're gonna read step one today. We're gonna read some of it. You know I'm not a very fast reader. So it's not a, th this is not about the reading either. It's not about the reading. I know it seems like it because we're gonna be reading and we're gonna talk about what, it's in, what the reading is. But this is, not a, this is not a learning meeting. Don't take notes. Don't, I mean, you can if you want to, if you feel that it'll be helpful. Uh, I encourage you, if you do take notes, to keep those notes with you at all times and refer to them in times of stress and, and anger and uh, disease. Uh, however, I promise you that even if you have those notes on you, when you are mad, you are going to embellish the madness. You're not going to take out your notes and try to find on the page where it says how to deal with madness. <laughs> I have notebooks 
and notebooks of notes that I've taken over the years about how to handle certain situations that used to baffle me. And I can never find the page because I need to be on that page before the thing happens so that I don't have to have the anger that comes with the experience of whatever it is that's making me mad. Because I need the note in advance. By the time I'm mad, it's too late. I'm already mad. So I have alcoholism that needs to be treated. I try to treat it with compliance instead of surrender. I try to treat my problems with compliance. I try to be a good boy. And I think that if I'm a good boy, that my problems will go away. And that God, if there is a God, I don't really know if there is a God, but if there is one and I'm a good boy, I have a much better chance of getting what I want. So that's the compliance factor in thinking that if I do the right thing, I'll get the right result. But I, but I, I can do the right thing with the wrong intentions, with the wrong motives, with the wrong ideas powered by this ego that's always in a hurry and easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. And so those, that thing is driving me to have the thing that I want and I'm trying to get it through compliance and all it is is a bunch of self trying to get what self wants by being a good boy instead of a crazed maniac. It says it in, in 60 to 63. Sometimes I'm kind and, and considerate and patient and generous and self-sacrificing in order to get what I want. And when that doesn't happen, then I become mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. And most of the time I use a little bit of both, a little carrot, a little stick to try to get what I want. So uh, right before I read uh, from step one, I'm going to read from the forward, because hidden in the forward is this idea. AA's 12 steps. The 12 steps are a group of principles spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel my obsession to drink and enable me to become happily and usefully whole. So if I'm happily and usefully whole, I don't need to drink. Because for me, as an alcoholic with alcoholism, I drink for the effect. I drink to be happy and useful, in my mind anyway. And if I am already happy and useful because I'm practicing something as a way of life on an ongoing, continuous, right now practicing way, then I can be treated, the disease can be treated in that application, and I don't have to drink. So Alcoholics Anonymous is not a way, the 12 steps is not a way of to stop drinking. It's a way of life where drinking isn't necessary for me for me. Some people come here, some people are heavy drinkers. I hope you are. I pray that you are. I hope that you're just a heavy drinker and that you can quit drinking alcohol, going to AA meetings and reading a few books and going to meetings and making phone calls and that you can quit drinking and then you have, you are happily and usefully whole somehow by stopping drinking and that you live happily ever after by not drinking. That was not my experience. When they took the alcohol away from me, I got more miserable. I wasn't crashing cars and I wasn't going, getting in fights and I wasn't losing jobs as quickly or as painfully 
but I was still not happily and usefully whole. Okay, so step one. This is in the 12 and 12 if you want to read along. Step one, I admitted, I, I admit right now that I'm powerless over alcohol and that my life has become unmanageable. I know uh, people talk about this being a we program and it is 100% a we program. We are all here together to grow spiritually, to, to, to try to find a solution and to grow spiritually today, right now. That's why we are here and we need each other. I need you more than you ever know. But we don't do the steps. I have to apply the steps in my life. We don't do them. You might, and my sponsor did, and I believe that he did, and I believe that he was talking the truth from his life. And I spent many years living on his sobriety because he knew where every answer was in the book. If I ever had a problem, I'd call him up. He'd show me the page where the answer was. He was amazing. I never did it because I knew I had a sponsor that I could call and he would tell me the answer. So I never did it for years. I was eight years sober when I thought, oh, oh, maybe I should learn the book the way my sponsor knows it. So maybe I'll know where the answer is myself. And then maybe if a guy called me, I could help them. It never occurred to me for eight years that that might be a thing that I might do for myself. No, I don't want to do this. I want you to do it and I want you to be really good at it. And then I want your phone number and I want you to help me. I, and I want you to be there for fun and for free whenever I call you. And I'm going to get pissed if you're busy and I'm hurt and I call you and you don't take my call and I'm going to blame it on AA. And this program doesn't work and people always fail me. And, and that's the way I was for a long time in this program. I have to admit that I am powerless over alcohol. We can't do that. I have to admit that my life has become unmanageable. Right now. Right now. It's not unmanageable because of alcohol and then the alcohol's gone and now I'm not crashing my car as much so my life is more manageable. That's true. I don't crash my car as often when I don't have alcohol in me, but I have crashed my car in alcoholism, in a blackout, in a mental blackout, talking to myself about how much money I have in the bank. And I look up and the car in front of me stopped and I didn't even know I was driving. I was adding money up in the bank. I didn't know I was driving. And boom. So here's what the book says. The book says, who cares to admit complete defeat? That's the first line in the 12 and 12. Well, I read that and I, and I think, well, nobody does. Obviously, who would care to admit complete defeat? Nobody. And then, and then it tells me that. Practically no one, of course. And I cheer. Yay, look at how smart I am. I know, the, I know. I know this stuff. I already know it. I already know this. Man, every natural, in me, in me, every natural instinct in me cries out against the idea. Well, every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. See, I can agree with that. I agree with that. Everybody, nobody wants to admit complete defeat. It's truly awful to admit that glass in hand, 
We have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructing, destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. I agree with that also. So now, when I read the book, I read all those words, I agree with what it says, and I imagine that I have that. I, that, I have that that I know that, and that I can read the next paragraph and move on, and I'm done. But, but I don't know that for me. I know that for we. I know we, and when I say we, I'm talking about you guys. You guys don't want to admit complete defeat, and you guys have warped your minds with alcohol. I can see it. I see it. I hear your stories. We are warped, and by we, I mean you. <laughs> I drank and did some stupid stuff, but I'm not quite as warped as you. I don't know why I know that, but I know that. So my sponsor said, no, no, we're going to go back and we're going to read this a different way. So now it says, the first line of the prayer says, who cares to admit complete defeat? Now I got to ask me that question for my life, for me. Hey. Do I care to admit complete defeat? I No, no, I don't. I admit alcohol defeat. I surrender. I can't drink alcohol. It killed me. It brutalized me. It ruined everything for me. I admit complete alcohol defeat. Yes, I admit that. Okay, let's move on. But it doesn't say complete alcohol defeat. It says complete defeat. And so I had to look at that. What is complete defeat? How does that look in my life at eight years sober when I haven't had a drink for eight years? How do I admit complete defeat? What am I admitting? What am I a complete defeat of? And I had to find this for my own life. I'm going to share mine with you, but I hope that you'll go find yours. <clears throat> my complete defeat is complete. I can't drive my car on my own power. Because when I do, I want to kill people. In my mind, I've never killed anybody on the road. I've never forced an accident. But in my mind, I have taken out chainsaws and sawed people up into little pieces in my mind because they didn't make a left turn on a yellow light or because they were driving in the fast lane and they were only going the speed limit. How stupid is that? If you're going to get in the fast lane, they call it the fast lane because that's the lane you're supposed to go fast in, isn't it? Doesn't that make sense? I'm a complete defeat at tying my shoes because when I go down to tie my shoes, my mind starts talking to me about my shoes and it doesn't like my shoes and it thinks I need better shoes and it thinks I'm a loser because I'm wearing the same shoes. And then it starts talking to me about the carpet I'm looking at underneath my shoes, nothing to do with my shoes, but my carpet sucks also. And it starts this train of thought about everything that sucks in my life. And by the time I get up, I need a divorce. And, and now it's time to kill myself because my shoes were wrong and I don't have enough money and I'm going to go crazy and I have to kill myself. So I'm a complete defeat at walking to the mailbox. God forbid there's a letter from the IRS in there. I don't even want to look. And, and the bills... I don't want to pay those bills. I have the money, but I don't want to pay those bills. And just seeing them is going to make me uncomfortable. So 
for me, I'm a complete defeat at being okay in this moment on my own power, with my mind. So practically no one is me. I am a complete defeat and I don't want to admit it. And it even goes on to back me up. Every natural instinct inside of me cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. I want to be the power for my life. I want to figure it out. I want to learn how to walk to the mailbox with a quiet mind. But I want to be the one that quiets my mind. I don't want a higher power. I have the delusion that I'm going to wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well. The, that's the delusion that is tied to this every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. And I have to see that for myself. Everything in me says, no, no, no. There's got to be a self-help book. There's got to be a guru somewhere. There's got to be a yoga practice. There's got to be a church. There's got to be a something, anything but God, anything but me being powerless. And that's so deep inside of me. And I have to see that for my life. Today, I have to see it. I couldn't see it for years. I couldn't even, I could just read that and agree with what it says, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't put it into application in my life. I couldn't see it as something that needed to be practiced. It's truly awful to admit that glass in hand, I've warped my mind. My mind is warped. Mm. A warped board never gets straight. A warped record never gets straight. People remember vinyl records that you'd leave them in the car and it would warp and then it would never play right again. And you can't straighten it. It's done. You take it and you throw it away. It's useless. I have a warped mind. I do. I know I do. I hope you don't. But I have a warped mind. And things go into my mind and they go through the warp and they come out crazy. I've talked about it a million times. My favorite uh, example of this is one time I was getting into the shower and my mind told me I should put some money away for my daughter in her 401, in her uh, 529 in her college fund. I'm going to tell you the end of this story because it's even crazier. So I had the idea that I should put some money in my daughter. And that's a great idea. Isn't that a great? That's a fantastic generous, kind, fatherly thing to think about, putting money in my daughter's college education. But when I got into the shower, I started talking to myself about how I'm going to do that. And I didn't really have any extra money at the time to put in her college fund. So although it was a great idea, I, I couldn't do it. Unless, my mind told me, unless I got rid of some of the people that worked for me and I took their salaries, then I would have some extra money. And then I thought, yeah, you know what? If they worked harder then I'd have a better business and I'd have more money. Maybe I just need to make them work harder or just get rid of them and get some people that know how to work because they suck. And then it went from them to, you know, my wife spends a lot of money. She doesn't, but my mind told me she does, that she's, you know, she's wasteful. She won't go to two markets uh, because she works all day and she just wants to go to one market. She won't go to two markets if something's better priced at another market. And to me, I think that's wasteful. I won't either, but when she does it, it's wasteful. When I do it, it's because I'm very busy and I'm very important. 
And I can afford it because I make more money than her, even though that's not true from time to time. And all of this is the insanity of the disease in my mind. And, and so by the time I get out of the shower from, from a great idea that went through the warper, I want to kill myself. That's just the way my mind works because nothing ever works out for me. And here's the craziest part of the whole thing. I put money in my daughter's for uh, her 529. She has money to go to college. She will never, ever, ever go to college. She gets anxiety in classrooms and she cannot sit in a classroom and she is never going to college. So how crazy is that? The whole thing is so crazy that my mind wanted to kill me because I couldn't put money in my daughter's 401k one day when I thought it was a good, or her, her 529, when I thought it was a good idea. And now she has the money and she doesn't even want to use it for college. Need I say more? I have a warped mind. I don't know. I can't see. I can't see what's going on. It's truly awful to admit that glass in hand, I've warped my mind into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from me. As time has moved on and I'm no longer drinking, I have changed that one word. So I have warped my mind into such an obsessive, such an obsession for destructive thinking that only an act of providence can remove it from me. Only an act of providence, only a, a higher power can remove my obsession to think of ways to make myself happy. <laughs> Who doesn't do that all day long? Who doesn't think of ways to make themselves happy all day long? What are you gonna have for lunch? Ooh, what would make me happy for lunch? Ooh, and the mind gets going. I think a hot fudge sundae, that'd be great. Now, then I'd be happy. Of course, if I eat hot fudge sundaes all day, then I'll be huge, and then I won't be happy. But my mind tells me today I could have one, and then I'd be happy. And then, I, and then every day it's today, and I want to do it. And my mind is obsessed with being self-satisfied. And then that's mine. That's mine. This is mine. You have to find your own. What does your mind do? Where is your mind warped? What does your mind tell you over and over and over and over again? That if you had that, then you'd be happy. And then you do it. Even when you do it, it doesn't satisfy you because of the disease. So that's one paragraph. I'm sorry. I, it's, it's not about the reading, okay? This is going to be a long process of going to a meeting every week. Really, that's what we're doing. We're going to a meeting to be reminded that God could and would if it were sought. That's what this meeting is about. Being reminded that God could and would if it were sought. But this is... I'm going to tell you a little bit more bad news because remember, like when we read Tebow, that was all disease. And 
we had to talk about the disease for maybe like three months now we've been talking about the disease. Step one is mostly the disease, still. Identifying the disease and what needs to be treated. Because step two is where the treatment starts. Um, but the admitting, wow, a lot of relief in re admitting, a lot of relief in accepting. Uh, and that happens. And, and we're going to read a lot more stuff and we're going to talk about it. But I'm going to stop talking now because I think it's time to listen. So I'm going to stop talking and you guys can share. And if you want to ask a question, you can ask a question. But I would prefer today that you share because I talk so long already. And we're going to, oh, I'm recording this. All of the, all of the step study stuff that we've been doing from, from reading uh, how it works to now is going to be live by Wednesday. Uh, I talked to my, uh, my web guy and it's all going to be up by Wednesday. Okay. Oh, I'm recording this. If you share, it's going to be recorded and it's, made available for people to listen to again. So if you don't want to be recorded up, uh, if you don't want to be recorded, I can, um, I can pause the recording. So, um, if you want to talk and you don't want to be recorded, just, just tell me you don't want to be recorded when you start and I'll stop it. All right. So we lost somebody, but Johnny, Hi, Johnny. I am alcoholic as well. My wife called right as you unmuted me, of course. Uh, so I have a couple of questions. And it's not easy. You know, I'm not a very humble person. I'm not a... I think I know things. And Randy, as you know, I've been studying this page for years. And I've been contemplating this page for years. So the first question is, what is life? The definition of life in the context of step one. And the second question is, what is power in the context of in the context of power less power? What is power, and what is life in that? What is life, and what is power in that order? Wouldn't you like to answer that from your perspective? E yes. Okay, do that. And I'm trying to keep an open mind, you know, and hear more. But I, I certainly will. I don't know what power is that well. I'm, I'm learning. I've been contemplating it for years. But I know what life is in the context of steps one and three. And it's exactly what you shared about your shower experience. Mm. That's... It's my hele put thought life, and that would be in the chat, and that would be great except for feelings, you know? It's not just my thought life, my inner, it's my inner experience of the world. It's my 
thoughts and my feelings about you, about me, about what is. That it has nothing to do with what's going on out there. It's all inward and my inner experience of this world. Like, I can go to a restaurant in the neighborhood and have a great time, you know, and enjoy the food. And then a month later, I go back to the same restaurant and I hate everything about it and my life has changed. So that's my experience with what life is. I don't know if you have a different definition, but I think it's a really paramount for us Mm -hmm. to have an understanding of what that means. Cause it's certainly, you know, not about handcuffs and Mm -hmm. crashed cars and hurt feelings of others, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the life, for me, the life that's become unmanageable is my inner life, my inner thought life. What goes on inside of me is unmanageable. I can't manage what the next thought is my mind's going to come up with. I can't manage that. That's what's unmanageable. It's not my car or my shoes or my, uh, or my walking to the, to the what letters are in my mailbox. I can't manage some of that either. But that's not the unmanageable life. That doesn't make me unmanageable that I get a letter from the IRS. It's what my mind tells me about the letter from the IRS. I got a letter from the IRS once and I put it on my counter and was terrified to open it. For two weeks, I didn't open it. And two weeks later, I got the courage to open it and it was a refund check. So that's how smart I am. So yes, the life is the inner life. It's not my exterior life. It's not what goes on outside of me. Okay, Paul C. Uh, yeah, hi, my name's Paul. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Paul. Uh, thanks, Randy. Um, yeah, I mean, just reflecting upon that last discussion. Um, um, uh, I mean, I see my powerlessness in the sense of I say I want to be on time. I say I want to show up on time. And I say I will do it. But I cannot. Mm-hmm. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I fail every time. Uh, and pretty consistently when I don't rightly relate myself or surrender myself over to this thing. And that's just data. I think you can just, I can, I can just look at the data. So the days that I didn't do this, I don't show up on time. I don't keep the commitments that I said I was going to keep. So I'm powerless because I have it because I have this thing where I say I want something or I want to be able to do something for somebody. Or I want to be able to have the ability to control my energy and give that energy to someone else in a specific way, but I don't do it. And so I relate to you what you're talking about, Randy, because I think the disease centers in my mind because somehow the energy, the impulses that I have, which says I want to be on time for this person, something has been interfered with. And because my mind is warped, it means that my energy doesn't get out in the correct way towards fulfilling that task or for, towards actually doing it. But when I put down my mind, so to speak, or when I say, I surrender it, like you're saying. Um, then something changes. Um, and it's as though I'm a witness to my life. 
and not an active participant in them. Um, but I, I can relate so strongly too to what you're talking about in terms of compliance, compliance versus uh, surrender. Because for a long time, and even very recently, I think still, still, incredibly all the time, my understanding of surrender has been has been that I com- I comply, and if I'm complying, then that means that I'm still in control. I've decided to agree to this. I will do it because you told me to do it, and it looks like it's going to be good for me. And that's not what this is. Um, this is, I'm going to die. There's a million people with guns, and they're all pointing them at me, and they say, either we're going to shoot you, and you will not live anymore. <laughs> if you keep doing that thing that you always did, you're going to be dead. Or you can do this other thing. That's surrender. And it's like, and I'm like not there really most of the time. I'm not there in the middle of that ring with all those guns pointed at me. I don't feel the guns. I'm not threatened enough really to feel like I should really surrender. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's just what occurred to me. I think the other thing that has been coming up a lot for me is like um, jealousy, envy of other people, which takes me out of this thing. And one thing that really helps me with that is I think about... Um, I think about the birds and I think about whether or not I'm jealous of the birds because they can fly and I can't. And I think, well, no, that's an amazing thing. They're birds. They're fine. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I marvel at them. So when other people, they do these things that I think I should be doing, or that I should be doing that. I should have that. Why don't I have that? I, I, I try to, to adopt this other mindset, just to say I just marvel at them. And I, I'm a part of it. Like I'm a piece of this, all these different things that are very beautiful. And the birds are, are one piece. So I don't know. That, that has helped me sometimes. That's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Welcome. Ruth Ann. Unmute, lovely. Hello, uh, evening. Um, yeah. It's really powerful, isn't it? It's um, to me as well. It also relates to drinking that I I just can't control this. You know, you think you can, but you can't. But as I get more understanding of of where you would come from, why do I drink the way I do? And then we get to my thought life. My yes, it's destructive, destructive thinking, destructive drinking. You know, I reach for that drink, the solution. And it's not the solution, you know, it's, it's the exact opposite. Um, but yes, who cares to admit complete defeat? You know, as human beings, we'll keep trying it and trying it and trying it. And, but um, I know the desperation of, you know, oh God, if you had a drink or a drunk and something's happened, I've done it again, you know, why have I done it? What's happened? You know, it's just that vicious circle. So it is complete surrender. But the way you, you're teaching or guiding, you know, to in sobriety to be at complete defeat and to ask your your hp in the moment for help for guidance you know for um when you said about going in the shower just you know i laugh with you you know how 
crazy we do think you know and it just started with one thought of and then it leads on to yeah it's 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 madness isn't it but um i'm so glad to be part of this meeting randy um and yeah i'm learning as we all are day by day you know and thank you god bless everyone else thank you thank you thanks for sharing phyllis need to know why. I only need to know that it is. 
Why is not a question that's going to help me grow today. I want to find out why so I can stamp the why out. I don't want to do the growth that's necessary to not have that why in my life. I don't know why. I don't know why I became an alcoholic. I don't know why I was born to the parents I was born to. I don't know why I married the woman I married. I really don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. But my job today is to be the best husband I can be based on my relationship with a higher power. My, my job, if my parents were still alive, would be to be the best son that I can be. I always thought that their job was to be my best parents. And I hated them for not being my best parents in my idea of what best parents were. I'm a parent now, and I promise you I am not the best parent. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing in any decision. I never know which decision to make. Every decision I have to make about uh, how to handle a situation where my daughter did something that I don't approve of, I have no idea. I'm baffled. I have to, I have to pray for some intuitive guidance and if I don't, I get it wrong every single time. No matter which way I go, I get it wrong. And so I don't know why. I don't know why. I just know I need the help. And that's... Randy, do you think non-alcoholics don't have this jumping mind? I don't know. I don't know non-alcoholics. I only know one alcoholic. I only know one person intimately, and that's right. me. I don't know anybody else. I don't even know if you're an alcoholic. Just because you say you are, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in your mind. I only know what goes on in my mind. Oh, that's too easy. <laughs> too easy. I know. It's a yeah. cop-out. Too a, easy. Yeah, you don't need to know why. That's just another one of those crazy thoughts that pops into your mind. Why? Why am I like this? Well, who cares why? Let's do the thing we know to do to not be like this anymore. Who cares why? Elizabeth? Elizabeth alcoholic thank you for calling me it's funny when you when you said that Scott I was thinking about my I have a large extended family and it, it's easy for me to see the difference between the alcoholic thinkers the way that you know you can see the people that aren't seem to be so effective and calm in their lives you know very functional get things done you know I'm the type I buy a birthday card because I do care about people and I'm thinking about people but then I'll forget to send it because for the next two weeks I'm so consumed with self that I don't notice the passage of time. And then it's the day before somebody's birthday. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't send the, the birthday card. You know, so I don't, it's not that I don't care about people or that I'm some kind of jerk. You know, it's just that I'm consumed with self. My little mind is, is so busy. I just want to tell you, I really appreciate what you said about, um, you know, I'm always looking for myself to be right. So I don't have to yield to any other power. And that's been a real realization for me lately. Because I was thinking, I, I spoke recently, and, and I was thinking, why did I miss this message for so long? I'm not an idiot. You know, I'm not dumb. I can read the book. What's going on? And I realized that, that every time they talked about unmanageable, unmanageable life, they were talking about the, my actions, what, what I did outside, and, and I could make it look good. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I could make it look good. But the thought life, I didn't even know that what I was doing was a sign of untreated alcoholism. That what was going on was untreated alcoholism. That I'm running around thinking, thinking, thinking about everything. And now I can see it. Now when I go back through the book, I can, I can pull out those little pieces that are evidence that it's always been there. You know, it's just the other stuff. And then the, and then the places I went in AA, they weren't talking about that. And, and just like when I first came here and found out that 
it was indeed drinking that was my problem because I didn't see that at first, you know, then now I can see, oh, it's the thinking, you know, and, and it is supported by our literature, but it's just people can misinterpret or misspeak and, or emphasize other pieces more, you know, and, and that's why for so long I, I couldn't see it. You know, until that day, uh, some of you have heard me speak where I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking about a text so intently that I don't hear the TV show for 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, God, that's what they're talking about. I'm not here. My higher power could come walk up to me and say, hey, and I'd be like, I got to answer this text. Hold on, you know, and, and I never could see it before. And I'm so grateful to see it now because I can I can be so much slower. I can sit back and now I can see that ego. And she's funny, boy. She wants to fight. She's mean, you know. <laughs> and I don't want to be there today. And I can make that other choice. Just like, you know, once getting sober, we can make the choice not to go into a bar and pick up a drink. Now, a lot of times I can. I can be quiet enough, peaceful enough, know these tools enough to to pick up the other one. You know, to, to watch and, and then pray. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for what you do, too. Thanks, Elizabeth. Great to see you, always. Colin. Oh, thank you, Randy. Um, I'm Colin. I'm an addict with an alcoholic mind. I was actually just <laughs> in the process of lowering my hand there, looking at the clock when you called on me. Um, but I, I wanted to oh. join the discussion about powerlessness. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think powerlessness to me is the inability to influence something, the inability to influence a thing or control the outcome of my interaction with that thing. You know, so powerlessness demands, absolutely demands the acceptance of the fact that I'm a total defeat. You know, there's no point in me trying to lift up a house because I can't do that. I'm powerless to raise a house completely powerless there's no point in me going away recharging my batteries gathering my energy and trying again and being powerless over addiction means that i can't change i can't change my alcoholism no matter how hard i try no matter what effort i put into it no matter what literature like you said what literature i read or or what spiritual text i learn I'm powerless. I can't change my alcoholic mind. So that acceptance is demanded of the fact that I am a complete defeat because that power has to come from somewhere other than me. Has to. And in order for me to access it, I have to accept the fact that I am completely defeated. Anyway. I know the time's up, meeting's up, but it's lovely to be here. Thank you for your lead today, Randy, and thanks to everyone that shared. Thanks, Colin. Okay, so it's 12.30, so uh, if you want to hang out, Karen and I will hang out, and we can talk after the meeting. Uh, um, if we're, we're doing a retreat <clears throat> in April in um, Nash outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and if you're interested in that, or if you're signed up and you're going and you want to ask a few questions or anything, you can hang out after the meeting and we'll talk for a little bit. 
And uh, I just want you to know that I appreciate all of you. And this was an awesome meeting for me today. And I got so much out of it, all of you and all of your shares. And um, we'll do it again on Wednesday and then again on Saturday. And, and Texas T is doing a Friday ego talk, which I was on the first one and it was spectacular. And, uh, and those are up. Cut it. Are you talking to me, Lars? Um, Gotta go. Is starting a series of workshops uh, next week. It'll be guided meditations in steps one, two, and three. He'll be covering for each of the four weeks. Oh, who's doing that? Bentley. Bentley, fantastic. Okay, so we have that. We have um, Ron D started the steps, started step one last week on Thursday. And uh, Johnny, are you still doing Sundays? Johnny's still doing Sunday, so a lot of great meetings all through the week. Just wanted to say that, and that's it. Okay, so we'll take a moment of silent meditation, and uh, and then I'll make it so you can unmute yourselves, and then we'll all do the serenity prayer together. John. that was great. Hey, Kevin, I didn't see you there. Randy? Yes. Um, I had a comment and then I had questions that I had emailed you about the uh, retreat. 